0: Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's Word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us, and enjoy the service. Other than that, man, I am, I am pumped about this. We're, we're going to do a, just a little bit of review, um, and, and we're going to jump in. If we think about last week, uh, let me pull this up here and get a couple Bibles going here. If, if we think about last week where Moses, Pharaoh's daughter, right? The Lord starts using uh, Pharaoh's daughter to undo the injustice. And the narrator is, is a genius. Uh, I mean, this story, the way it's, Scott, good to see you. The way that the narrator is, is putting this thing together, he's he's giving us cues uh, for us to pick up on certain things along the way so that we can build our story and our worldview from, from this book. And um, if you think about it, right, uh, Pharaoh's own daughter is is the one who is a picture of Yahweh. That's incredible. right? When Yahweh hears the, the children of Israel and he sees them in, in their struggle and, and in their uh, plight, if you will, with with the slavery and oppression, and then he chooses to do something about it. We have that same picture, that same reenactment with Pharaoh's daughter. So Moses, Right, she his mother hides him as long as as she can. She puts him in the teva in the little basket. But the teva is the same word for ark that Noah was put in with his family. The same wording is used. Right, so they pitched the teva, and and it was. Uh, something, you know, of, of a miracle that the Lord used. And so what we're experiencing is the narrator, the same, we think it's Moses, right, directing this. We probably have other scribes and folks that are involved in writing the Pentateuch, the first five books, the Torah. But essentially what they're saying is, is if you notice, God is over and over again, redeeming and reenacting the saving of his people the same way. He's the same God. The same God that chose to save humanity through one man, Moses, is the same God that's going to choose to save his people through one, uh, one man, Noah, through one man, Moses. I'm getting it backwards there, but you know what I mean. Uh, and it's the same word, and, and we're going to experience the same verbs that are used. That uh, And these are all clues, right? So our Bibles, our English Bibles may say, uh, you know, saw or in one place, see or hear, Uh, And and they may be a little different, but when the Hebrew words are rendered the same in both places the author is saying, I want, I want to telegraph this that whatever's happening in this passage is happening in this passage. The same idea that's happening here is happening over there. And so I'm just connecting a lot of dots through this series for us to see that what's happening here, Noah entering the Teva is Moses entering the Teva. And the same way that the Lord uh, heard Moses heard Noah's cry, he is hearing Moses' cry. And, and then the arch enemy... Pharaoh, in the passage, the, the snake, the serpent, the sea monster, the, the chaos originator, right, that Cody talked about, is Pharaoh, and and while he is systematically trying to undo the Edenic blessing, while he is trying to oppress, y'all are in the splash zone, I'm spitting away. Uh, let's see here, can you grab me a cough drop off my desk, babe? Uh, thank you so much. i um, while, while uh, the chaos monster is systematically working to undo the Edenic blessing and, and perpetuate evil, God is sovereignly working against, oh man, come on, nice. <laughs> Sarah's, oh, no. I didn't hold on to it when it counted. <laughs> Sarah's will be the backup. Maybe we'll put both of them in there. We'll have cherry and lemon. It'll be a fight, good and evil. How about that? Thank you, baby mama. Here, chuck them. See if I can cut. (laughs) She's like, nah, I ain't got time for your games. Thanks. (laughs) Some things never change. (laughs) Anyway, We're just reviewing. We're having fun. I'm listening up sometimes I get confused of what I said at 9 a.m. versus what I haven't said in here yet. And then I go back and listen to it and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. And that was like a hodgepodge. There you go, thank you. That was like a hodgepodge of nine and 11. But uh, so anyway, the chaos monster Pharaoh, the representation of evil is systematically working to oppress and undo what God is doing. And, and the narrator basically shows that the Lord uses women in this book over and over and over again to undo the enemy's plans not only does the enemy think he's better than women not only do in their culture do they treat women as second class citizens and that's what i really want to i really want to feel this right the lord steps into an ancient near east culture where women are demeaned and the lord uses them and puts them on display and says their names When Pharaoh's name isn't even mentioned, we have uh, the names of the midwives mentioned right there in the text. What's the narrator saying? Watch the Lord undo everything you're trying to do, Satan, with the most unlikeliest of opponent. And the Lord Lord ultimately ends up using his own daughter. And so last week where we ended, and there's so much more to this. Go back and listen to the messages if you missed it because I'm re-preaching it right now and I gotta stop because I got more ground to cover. But ultimately, Pharaoh's daughter is the one, she goes into the water, she hears the baby, she sees him, and she decides at that moment that she doesn't wanna drown him, but that she's gonna keep him for herself. Now, remember, Moses is a Hebrew baby, but he goes, because of his brave little sister, he goes and he's fed, raised by his mom until he's weaned, and then he's brought back to Pharaoh's palace. And then he is to be raised as Pharaoh's daughter's son. So essentially, Moses, a Hebrew, is now a what? An Egyptian. He's going to look like an Egyptian. He's going to smell like an Egyptian. He's going to act like an Egyptian. He's going to walk like one. What else? He's going to draw like one. Hieroglyphics. (laughs) We could just keep going on this. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's an Egyptian. And and. I'm telling you, I don't know of a more relevant message I've preached for today's society than the one I'm about to preach this morning. This is so very relevant today. Why? Because here he is, a Hebrew, trapped in an Egyptian's body. And the Lord can't use him in his Egyptian body the way he wants to use him. We all want to talk about a burning bush experience that we had in our life. We all want to look for the Red Sea occurrence in our life. We want God to do something incredible with us and our children. But we don't wrestle with our identity. And we don't go through the preparation that God has for us before we get to that experience. And because the church is unwilling to walk through the hard work of the preparation in getting the identity right, we never have the Red Sea crossing. We never have that blessing. We never have that watershed moment where we're like, man, the Lord, I am in God's will. People talk to me all the time about God's will. Pastor, how do I do God's will for my life? How do I find God's will? Like it's this, you know what I mean? This crazy thing. Hopefully today we'll clear that up. Hopefully today we'll break that down a little bit for you. But you get the picture? Moses was saved from the water by Pharaoh's daughter. He's an Egyptian. Let's pick up uh, right there at this week's text. And I also put some resources there in the program, uh, books that I'm reading along with Exodus that are really helping me in my perspective. And so if you wanna dive deeper, read those books with me uh, as well as the passage, and I think you'll be blessed for it and some podcasts that are in there as well. Exodus chapter two, verse 11 through 25. uh, This will be our text for today. Years later, Moses, now the son of Pharaoh's daughter in the palace, raised as an Egyptian, years later. I wanna also point this out. Sometimes when we read the Bible, especially this story, we read chapter one into chapter two and we think one was one day and then it was the next day, right, and the evening and the morning were the first day, right? And we just think, yeah, that's like boom, boom, right back to back. We got like at least 450 years that Abraham, through the Abrahamic covenant, said the Israelites will be in captivity. What's America? Anybody good at math? What are we like, 250 years old or something like that? Are we older than that? Anybody know? Seventeen seventy six. Somebody do the math. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Whatever that was. <laughs> what I'm what I'm getting at here is as a, as America as a nation, right? That's like half the time they were in captivity from chapter one to chapter two. It's it's like five hundred years that we've already gone through in history from chapter one to chapter two. So. We think about how God's done with our nation, and God's this, that, and the other, and America's in this horrible place. We are babies; like <laughs> we've been, we're a blip on the map. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord's patience and long suffering to bring about His plan—it left these folks in captivity for 500 years. A thousand years on Earth is like a day in Heaven, is what it, the Scriptures say, right? So my point is, is that God's timing is not our timing. How we feel, like, look, if 100 years goes by, we're going to feel it. <laughs> Today, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? And then I'd be like, Ugh. We'll feel the 100 years. <laughs> kind of like our, I mean, no, no, we're not going to talk about politics. Let me read my, year later. Anyway, my point is, there's 100 years, a lot can happen for us. But for God, it's it's no big deal. This is like, he's doing this thing. He's in control. He's moving through generation. He's transcending through generation. And so we need to see this years later. Moses is now a grown man, okay? After Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people. We're gonna see three different stories that the narrator wants us to see here. He went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. What does the narrator say? His, he went out to his what? Own people. Right out of the get, right? It's, there's a tension that the narrator is creating between Moses's physical identity and his internal identity. Moses is an Egyptian, right? Raised by the daughter of Pharaoh, he is, he looks like he's an Egyptian. But when he goes out and views his people, he's a Hebrew. You know, it seems like they that be in Christ are new creations. Old things are passed away. All things have become what? When the Lord finds us and saves us and redeems us internally, we ought to feel a change before it catches up on the outside internally, we are becoming a new person in our sanctification process. And these are the thicker theology words here. But the point is, is like what we're seeing is Moses's transformation right before our eyes. He went out to his own people, observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew. One of his people, see what the narrator's doing? Looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hit him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. The first day, he saw an Egyptian and a what? A Hebrew. The next day, he went out and saw what? Two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor? And the response is, who made you a commander and judge over us? Oh, this this is so good. The man replied, are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So the tension is Moses went out, saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he sided with the Hebrews. And the next day he sees two Hebrews, and essentially the two Hebrews, the one says to Moses, you're an Egyptian. You're not over us. You're what you killed. I can imagine that statement just echoing in Moses' mind, What's it say? If I can find it. Who made you commander and judge over us? The irony is Moses ends up being the judge of Israel. The irony and the narrator knows that Moses ends up completely ruling them, right? So th- this is like the path to that. So he says, you, who's made you commander? Who died and made you captain? The man replied, are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses became afraid and thought, what I did is certainly known. So this is news to Moses. Moses would, once again, this is the identity conflict. If what I did was helping the Hebrews, why would the Hebrews tell anybody about it? They're telling people about it because they saw Moses as a what? As an Egyptian. There you go, boys and girls. (laughs) So it's certainly known. When Pharaoh heard about this, He tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by the well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And what we know about Midian is, it was kind of a melting pot of tribes, like five different tribes coming together, making an alliance. And all of this, mind you, is the path that gets Moses to the burning bush. That'll be next week. All of this is the path that, it, that Moses takes to get to the place where he hears from God, but he's gotta go through the path. And so what we find here is he ends up in the land of Midian, and this priest of Midian, Ruel, has seven daughters. They came to the water, his daughters, they came to the water uh, to draw and fill their troughs and water their father's flock. Then some shepherds arrived and drove them away, but Moses came to their rescue and watered their flock. When they returned to their father, Ruel, he asked, "Uh, why have you come back so quickly today? Now, let me remind you, Pharaoh's daughter chose to see an injustice and do something about it, correct? The reason why Moses is living is because someone saw an injustice and chose to right the wrong. Remember last week's message? How do we... How do we find ourselves on the path to what God has for our lives? Seeing injustice and undoing it. Seeing wrong and doing the what? Next right thing. Does that make sense? Moses is where he is today because he continues to see a bad thing and do a right thing. And what we're seeing is now Pharaoh's daughter saw a bad thing and did a right thing and now Moses is following suit in his mother's footsteps. He sees these shepherds attack these women, and he steps up for them. I wonder if he used, like, some kind of flying armbar. I would have loved to see that video. You know what I'm saying. Come on. (laughs) How many watch fight videos on Instagram all day? I'm like, i got to do sermon prep, but these videos, though. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, like, scrolling through. I love it. No. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I would never. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. So... (laughs) He's like the dad, Ruel, right? The priest of Midian. He's like, why have you come back so quickly? They answered, don't miss this. What's it say? A what? Uh Uh-huh. He looked like one, smelled like one, walked like whatever. He's an Egyptian. An Egyptian helped us out at the well. He just can't get away from it, can he? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And the dad goes, so where is he? This dude drove away shepherds, <laughs> helped my daughters out, fed the flocks. This is going to seem very strange to us. Excuse me. I'm heavily salivating up here because of this Re-Cola in my mouth. And I feel like I'm going to continue to spit all over you if I don't take it out. <laughs> um, I'm a hot mess today, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> Continuing on. In their culture, giving a daughter away, it was... It was a, a way to keep the man. It was a way to bring the man into the family. And so if he said, "Hey, I got seven daughters. I'm going to cough up one because I want to keep this guy." Why? Because he's obviously a good dude. He he protected my daughters, he fed the flocks. I want him a part of my uh, uh, of my family. So he gives his daughter Moses agrees to stay with the man, wonder why. (laughs) He gives his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. She gave birth to a son whom he named Gershom. Watch the identity crisis continue. He said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. Man. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor and they cried out. And their cry for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God saw the Israelites, and God knew. Remember, those are all the same verbs. Yahweh is doing with his people what Pharaoh's daughter did with Moses. God has proven to Moses that God will hear and see and do something about it, and and God is now doing the same thing, but before he does it, he has to prepare Moses for this task. And that's our, our text for today. So, What I want you to see here, and how many have heard that Moses was a murderer? Has anybody heard that? Moses killed, nobody, a few? Okay, really, I thought it would be more. I remember hearing messages about God will use anybody. God will use King David an adulterer. God will use Moses a murderer, right? And Moses murdered this Egyptian. I'm gonna tell you why I don't believe it was a murderer. Look at this verb structure here, Isaiah 59, 15 through 16. If you do a word search from... Our, our passage here in Exodus, where Moses sees the Egyptian, one thing that's a parallel that will come up, it's a parallel in the Hebrew verbs, is this passage right here in Isaiah 59, 15 through 16. Truth is missing, and whoever turns from evil is plundered. The Lord saw that there was no justice, and he was offended. He saw that there was no man. He was amazed that there was no one interceding. So his own arm brought salvation and his own righteousness supported him. The parallel passage with that is 11 and 12 of Exodus 2. Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people, observed their forced labor, and watch this. He saw an Egyptian is the same thing as the Lord saw there was no justice. Striking the Hebrew, one of, uh, let's back it up. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people, looking all around and seeing no one. What I had thought before is that Moses looked to the left and looked to the right so that he could then kill the Egyptian if nobody was watching. That's how I took it at first. But the verb structure is actually the same as right here. When God was offended, he saw that there was no man. What the narrator is actually saying is Moses walked out and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and he was dumbfounded that there was nobody around doing anything about it. It wasn't about, okay, no one, I'm looking left and right and I'm gonna go kill this son of a gun. You know what I'm saying, bury him in the sand. It wasn't a sneaky thing. He was overwhelmed internally at the injustice that was happening in front of him and that nobody was doing anything about it. This is the path of Moses becoming a Hebrew. This is the path of him uh, converting from being an Egyptian to a Hebrew. And the same parallel passage where Yahweh looks and sees and he cannot believe there is no one there to uphold justice. And so God steps in with his own strong arm and, and delves out the justice and does what needs to be done. That's the same verb structure here about Moses. Moses sees he cannot believe that no one is intervening in this injustice. Do you get the theme? (laughs) Pharaoh's daughter sees the injustice in her own father's ways, and she begins to undo the curse of the injustice. We have to see that the theme that the narrator is saying is, look, what the Lord does and how he moves is if you see an injustice, he's undoing it. If you see someone who cannot defend themselves, you better believe God is close. God is coming. He's gonna do something about it. He will undo. He will be the strong arm for the weak. He will defend the widow. He will defend the fatherless. In fact, true religion is what? Visiting the widow in their affliction. This is the biblical theme of the Lord bringing about justice. Seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. What Moses is doing isn't murdering. At best, it's at most, it's a, vigil, a vigilante move. But he sees and he's overcome with the feelings that no one is doing anything about this. And that is what I believe is at play here. Moses is going through an identity quest. He is searching for a belonging. Watch this. A mode of operation for his internal values that absolutely do not align with that of Egypt. What happens when you find yourself in a place as a human being that internally you absolutely don't align with externally what's what's happening around you? I believe every Christian goes through this. I believe every Christian from time to time finds themselves in a place where the Lord is moving and the Lord is working in your heart and you just can't be a part of what you've been a part of in the past. You just see it differently and it smell it's like you had COVID and you went to take a bite. You know what I mean? It just doesn't taste right anymore. Anybody experience that with COVID? Jeez, man. Let's just think back to twenty twenty, man. It was like six months I couldn't taste pizza. Oh my goodness gracious. It's horrible. Anyway. Y'all look like you needed a joke. That's all I mean. It was a bad joke. It was really bad. I give you that. Right. <laughs> just trying to loosen it up a little bit. How many are warm? Three of you. Okay. Everybody on the front. Okay. Let's keep moving here's my play-by-play. There's three situations that the narrator is telling us, and I want to talk about each one of them, and then we'll go home, and we'll head to the house. How many are having roast for lunch? Nobody? How many are having hot dogs? I want a hot dog. I just need to know whose house I need to go to. When's Costco bringing back the onions? That's all I'm saying. When, I'll believe the pandemic is absolutely over when Costco brings back those diced onions in the food court, you know what I'm saying? Nobody's experienced that. Nobody, who eats hot dogs at Costco? Nobody, what are y'all missing? Y'all need to get saved. I mean, (laughs) salvation is right around the corner. They never brought them back. Look, I literally, I got a list of things in my phone that haven't gone back to normal and that's at the top of the list. Lord, I don't care that I don't have, I'll wear a mask. Just bring me the diced onions back, heaven's sakes. Mustard and diced onions. That's, that's when the pandemic is officially over. You hear that? When the diced onions come back. Anyway, I think we're having Thai rainbow. I think that's what we're eating. Anyway, just in case anybody wants to come. <laughs> Let's look at these observations. First, the first story, Moses observes an Egyptian attacking a Hebrew. Here's my thoughts. His looking around was more of, is anyone going to do something about this? And we're reviewing here. His hiding of the Egyptian in the sand is emblematic of the tension that he is living through and wrestling with. Why would he hide him? Because he's aligning with a Hebrew. He's seeing himself as a Hebrew killing an Egyptian, so we're gonna bury him. Why? Because he's trying to bury his Egyptian identity. Do you see that? The narrator working is saying, look at the manifestation of who God wants him to be. And what does he say? I want to take my Egyptian heritage and and who I've become and I want to bury it, I want to kill it. And he's on a path for that. He was still in the house of Pharaoh though, wasn't he? Still in the house of Pharaoh. Look, I just want to say to you, if you're not where you want to be, hold on. If you're not where you want to be, if you're not where you think you should be spiritually, it's okay, you'll get there. You might still be in Pharaoh's house today. You might feel like an outsider in church And heaven. Forbid, I hope you don't. I hope you feel welcome. I'd hug everyone in here. And I want all of you here. I'm so glad you're here. If you're watching online and you've been thinking about coming, but you're like, I don't want to be judged, come here, give me a hug. Come meet me next week right here. You can come here, this is a safe place. But sometimes when we're in safe places, we still feel like outsiders. Why, because we gotta go back to Pharaoh's house. So my observation of him burying the Egyptian is this just this is the narrator coming out of the gate saying, you see which side Moses wants to be on. The internal conflict. The second thing I see, Moses observes two, observes two Hebrews fighting. His comment to them shows the desire to align with them, and he doesn't understand why they were not at peace with each other. He, he can't fathom the fact that two Hebrews were fighting, that two Hebrews were at odds. You guys are literally on the winning side. Yahweh is your God. I'm the one, and, and here's what they do. The Hebrews look at him like, you got it good. You got it made in the shade with a pink lemonade. You get to go back to Pharaoh's house. Right, You get indoor plumbing and we're getting abused. You get to go back to your posh living circumstances, but let this show us that he was completely unhappy. Living in Pharaoh's house, he was wanting to align with the slaves. He was wanting to be with the Hebrews. Why? Because that's where he was internally. And so look, don't judge a book by its what? That's right, but we do it all the time. And internally, let that also be a lesson for us is that when God is moving in our hearts and we go, I'm gonna have to leave the palace if I follow that plan. If I follow that plan, then I'm gonna lose some of these pleasantries. You know what I'm saying. That might cost me a little bit. Moses was like, I can't believe you guys. I would give up the palace in a heartbeat. Why? Because he knew it was empty. He knew what Egypt represented, death, and he was looking for life. Why seek ye the living among the dead? I wonder how many people in the world see Christians fighting each other. And they go, what gives? You guys are supposed to be the ones that get along. I see all this, faith. how many have seen the thing about the revival at the Asbury Seminary in Kentucky? I want to go. Anybody want to drive there? Come on. That'd be awesome. There's a revival that broke out at a seminary in Kentucky, and it's been going on for like 10 days, I think. 12? How many? Or it's, it's been going on. And it's still going on 24-7 prayer. Like the Holy Spirit came, and it's like exploding, right? And I'm floored at the amount of pastors I'm seeing on my own Facebook feed that are like, it isn't real. Are they preaching the gospel? You know, and it's like, What? Anytime there's a movement of the Holy Spirit, like, shut up. Nobody cares what you think. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not really a keyboard warrior. I kind of want to be sometimes. But this is my pulpit, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is where I preach every Sunday. I guess I can kind of say this. Uh, It's more meaningful than stupid social media. But get what I'm saying. Like, people are saying and condemning what God is doing there just because it doesn't look like you and sound like the way your church sounds like doesn't mean anything to God. God God can just as well be in the Anglican service right up the street. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just because their liturgy is different than ours doesn't mean God isn't there. Doesn't mean the spirit, God moves where he wants to move. He could show up at the Pentecostal church down the street and I would wanna go be a part of that. Because if the Holy Ghost is there, why not? Pastor, you're a compromiser. No, I'm a Christian. (laughs) Moses says to the the Hebrews, why are you fighting like that? You've got the right God. And they're like, shut your face, Egyptian. Ooh, Moses was stricken with fear. Why? Because in that moment, watch, watch this. He goes, they told on me. There were no Egyptians around when he killed the Egyptian, but they view me as an Egyptian. And guess what? That means Pharaoh knows about it. If the Hebrews told on me, they don't see me as a Hebrew. They see me as an Egyptian. So what I'm saying here, in Moses's identity crisis, he didn't fit in. He had to walk this lonely road of preparation with the Lord. Anybody there? Look, I'm just saying... When the Lord chooses to do something, let him do it. Let's not be critics of what the Lord does. Let the Lord, let him work that stuff out. He's really good at being God. We're really bad at being God. Anybody notice that? Whenever you try to play God and control the things in your life, how does that go? Real good, right? This is fantastic. I mean, I have crafted this amazing life. Wrong. It goes really bad, right? Right? Let's let God be God. So in this observation of the two Hebrews fighting, I'm, I'm away from my outline. Let me get back to home base right here. I believe Moses hears these words continually and echo in his head as he leaves Egypt. What, what, did, what did they say to him? They said, who has made you judge over us? Who Listen, who has made you judge over us? Who has made you judge? He did what he did. He's scared to death because the next day he sees these Hebrews fighting and they're not happy about what he did. They're just angry at the fact that he's an Egyptian. And he runs back into the palace and before Pharaoh can get his hands on him, he packs his clothes and he runs. And he, and he hightails it out of town. And I can just think I, over and over, Moses, I can just see every time he stopped and as he's throwing the clothes in his bag, as he gets in his chariot, as he peels out and runs to Midian, getting out of Egypt as fast as he can, I can just hear it over and over in his head. Who, who made you judge over us? I wonder how many of us will hear an echo of something that God will eventually do in our life, but we suppress it. I wonder how many of us, God, and gives us a glimpse of it, but yet we're not willing to flee the palace, yet we're not willing to flee and run and go and move. And when God says go, you better go. And I could just hear him in his mind, who made you judge over us? And Moses thinks to himself, God did. I feel this way internally because God is moving in my heart. I didn't kill him because I hate the Egyptian. I killed him because I hate injustice. And because I love to see justice, I love to see mercy. I I love to see what God is doing. And, And the point is, is this voice in my head, this isn't me. I didn't make this stuff up. This is God working in my heart internally. And this was long before it ever made it to the external. And why do we know that? Because of the third story. What happens? He flees to Midian and he intervenes with yet another injustice at the community well what happens right the the ladies the daughters of Ruel the prince of of Midian they're at the well and the well is the place where all the community comes together right to get what they need to make it through the day and Moses arrives there and what do we see Moses is viewed as an egyptian by the ladies he rescues do you see that can you imagine that he's viewed as an Egyptian, another layer to the fact that he was working through shedding his temporary identity for his kingdom identity. I can imagine when he shows up to the house and Ruel says to Moses, man, it's gonna be great to have an Egyptian here. Maybe even an alliance. And I could just see the blood drain out of his face and him go, no. I left there. I'm I'm actually trying to not look like that. I'm actually trying to undo what I am. That's not who I am. And, And I'm telling you that, like, for real. Like, inside, I don't feel the way that I look. If we as a nation would just stop and say, It's not about what you're seeing on the outside. I've got something else going on on the inside. And if we would just talk about it, look, our young people today, they're seeking a conversation for what they're feeling on the inside. And we need to listen, we need to talk about it. Look, don't you see the identity crisis that we're facing? Instead of of talking about it and working through the injustices, which is what we should be doing, over here, there are some that are saying, you just make yourself into whatever you want. And aside from us, this is not me being sarcastic, and we shouldn't be. We should see that as a cry, as someone saying, "Ah, it's not matching up. As some of you say, my audio and my video are not together. It's some kind of weird, you know, like Japanese film. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but here's the thing, like we, we are not listening. And, and like, let me pick on you older folks for a minute, Okay. Y'all all right? No, no, we're the ones who tithe, Pastor. Be careful. <laughs> you know the young people don't give nothing. Watch it. You want to eat this week? <clears throat> I'm just gonna go put my checkbook away. <laughs> Keep your checkbook out. Everything's all right. If if someone has a checkbook, they are the ones keeping this place afloat. If all the ones that say what's a checkbook, <laughs> we know you ain't giving. It's okay. I, I, I'm just I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Stuff's got to be said either way, though. (laughs) Uh, Just cracking myself up up here, trying to pull it together. You know, y'all, if you have a checkbook in this room, you're the ones who don't talk about your feelings. You're the ones, if you go down in the basement of your mind, you've got hundreds of things that you have bottled up in the past. And you're keeping it there until a special time. Such a time as this, where you go down to the basement when no one else is around, and then you unload. Because you, you of the older generation, you don't process your feelings well. And why do I know this? Because I have parents too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the older generation, they just don't want to talk about it. If something bad happens, we just bottle that junk up, put it on the shelf. Here's my thing. It's not healthy, it's not. Moses couldn't part the Red Sea until he went through this identity crisis. Moses couldn't meet God at the burning bush until he was willing to reckon with the fact that the outside and the inside didn't match. We've gotta talk about it. And it doesn't help just yelling at people that are maybe of another political class and saying, these people are ruining our nation, you know. These trans people, that's the problem with this country. Okay, no, that's not the problem. That's a manifestation of a problem. And so is your anger. It's going to get quiet. Why? Because just go ahead and walk down the basement of your mind and all that stuff you've been hiding and burying, those are the reasons why your children won't work through their issues because you've been unwilling to work through yours. And until we're willing to say, hey, we're gonna be honest and have a conversation, and what I'm telling you can be done. How do I know that? Because I've done this. Me and my dad have had lengthy conversations in the last year that have dramatically changed our relationship for the better. Why? Because forgiveness heals. Because when you drag something that's dark into the light, it's exposed. And what happens when things are exposed? They're dealt with. Moses is running. I just can't believe it. He's running. He's running from his problems. He's running from the fact that he's a murderer. No, he's not. You're missing the point that the narrator is telling you. The point is, he's on a path to find his true identity in Jesus. And what we're seeing is the Hulk. We're seeing it come out in moments and then go back to Dr. Banner. You know what I'm saying? And here's the problem. We, man, we are killing our churches. Why? Because we just want people to see outside people that have it all put together. I just want you to think I'm okay. I just want you to think that I'm who I say I am. I just want you to think I'm a good godly Christian. When will we realize that God doesn't want a whole group of people that are put together? God wants a whole bunch of broken pieces to put together to show Jesus to a lost and dying world. Come on now. The joke's on you if you think the finished product is your face. The finished product is his face. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he uses all of us and puts us together to show himself strong. Moses, that's another reason why I love this story. And we'll continue to see elements of humility that permeate it. We're landing the plane. We see again that God is using Moses's desire for justice to guide him through the path for a new identity. Now I'm gonna really, I'm gonna come barking up your tree. You ready? This is gonna get real, it's gonna get real. How you react to this is, is the level at which you're wanting and looking for a new identity. Your preparation should be guided by the Holy Spirit's provoking. Your preparation should be guided by the Holy Spirit's provoking. Notice that Moses began with an internal conflict. Do you see it? Do you see, Mr. George is gonna bless us with some invitation music. Come on now. Church, listen to me. The whole thing began with an internal conflict. If you aren't here in the Holy Spirit, then you need to evaluate your relationship with the Lord. Your preparation should be guided by the Holy Spirit's provoking. Church, stop looking for the Red Sea moment. Stop looking for God's will to fall out of the sky and for you to experience this incredible, I'm looking for this moment where God shows up and I'm changed and I'm never the same. Stop looking for that. Start doing the preparation for that. Let God show up when God wants to show up. There is plenty to do until then. Before Moses parted the Red Sea, Moses had to take a trip to change his identity. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? What I'm saying is is there's preparation before the moving of God. In this room, God may want to do revival in your heart and in your life. That's what I'm waiting for. No, don't wait. Do the preparation. Do the work. What is the work? Undoing injustice. What is the work? Confessing your sin. What is the work? Repentance. (laughs) This week, did you do something that you know you weren't supposed to do? Have you given that to the Lord? That confession and repentance of sin is the preparation for the moving of God. That is the trip Saying, I see an Egyptian doing injustice and I'm gonna undo that. That had to be done before the parting of the Red Sea. Before he ever met God at the burning bush, he was doing what God wanted him to do. Preparation should be guided by the Holy Spirit's provoking. If you ain't feeling the Holy Ghost on the inside and telling you what to do on the outside, let me help you. Let me introduce you to who, who, my, who, who starts all that, and his name's Jesus. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, let me tell you something, the Holy Ghost is not far behind. He'll help you, the Bible says he leads you, he guides you, he instructs you. How many need instruction? How many need wisdom? Come on, I know I want it, yes! I want it, I need it, I crave it. We can't do this thing on our own. Do you agree? Come on, then where are we at? Why aren't we focused on listening on the inside? Oh, I know why, because we're focused on the outside but you're an Egyptian. (laughs) The Lord is making you into who he wants you to be, but you ain't there yet. Here it is. Your posture towards sin and injustice is more relevant than your appearance to your peers. Your posture towards sin and injustice is more relevant than your appearance to your peers. It's more important for you to say, I need to talk about something. It's more important for you to say, I need help. It's more important for you to say, I'm feeling on the inside a different way than I look on the outside, and I need you to help me walk through this. God, help if people die and go to hell from church. God, help if people don't reach out to those that are here, that are in pain, that are struggling. We need each other. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Man. Moses was alone. We shouldn't have to be alone. We all are going through an identity crisis, yes. We all are passing from death to life. If you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years, don't you still do things that you wish you shouldn't? It's a constant struggle. But here's the thing, my attitude and my posture towards sin and injustice are what keep me going in the right direction. It's the big picture. I just want to do God's will. Then stop sinning. I just want God to work in my family. Then stop drinking. I just want to have a good marriage. Then have open communication. It's the little things that lead to the big things. What is your posture towards sin and injustice? How we treat those that cannot help themselves is a just a revelatory thing of our hearts. Your finances. Who have you helped this week? Who have you noticed? And I don't mean like, I mean, social media kills this. Not something you told somebody else about, but like something that you saw and you said, I can make a difference in that. How many of us, are one good right thing away from understanding where God wants us to be. But we're lazy and we're sitting on our blessed assurance not doing the next right thing. So God says, well, I guess they don't wanna, I guess they don't wanna know my will for their life because my will was for them to make a difference in that person's life. And then if they would have done that, guess what would have been around the corner? The next right thing. And then if they would have done that, they would have, no. no You see how this works? Moses just kept doing the next thing that was in front of him. And before you know it, he's standing in front of Pharaoh again. Stop wanting to stand in front of Pharaoh. Just take care of the problem that's right in front of you. If your appearance is more important, then you will never discover the preparation God has for you to be who God wants you to be. Not only will you not step right into God's plan, but you will never reach the step of preparation. Once again, I often hear, how people want to find God's will. It is not something you find. It's a continual grind. There is no magic moment. It is the observation of the ordinary. It is the week in, week out, dedicated faithfulness to seeing yourself the way God sees you and being more committed to the way God sees you than the way any other person sees you on the planet. That's faithfulness. That's what God cares about. Moses knew he was an Egyptian on the outside, but he was a Hebrew on the inside. And I'm talking to somebody today that on the inside you're a Hebrew and on the outside you're an Egyptian. And what I'm saying to you today is God sees you and he loves you, and he's got something for you, just keep taking another step. Just keep doing the next right thing. God is getting you where he wants you. He has a plan. He sees it. It's developing. Don't be the person that leaves it. Don't be the person that gets frustrated in the small moments. Don't be the person that endures something horrible and walks away from God. You lost something. I see it. You're going through pain. I see it. But so does God. Everything you're walking through is leading you to the Red Sea. Moses first found a what? An exodus out of Egypt before the children of Israel ever did. I'm trying to get a hold of some people here today. You have to experience this before your kids will. You want to keep your children, you want them to follow the Lord, then you follow the Lord. You want to see other people come to Jesus, then you come to Jesus. Jesus. Week in and week out. Care more about the inside than the outside. Care more about those that can't care for themselves than those that can. And care more about what God thinks more than what anyone else thinks. Thank you for watching and joining us for Our Church Online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments. Send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.